Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Please be seated. 957 years before the birth of Christ, King Solomon of Israel built a temple in Jerusalem. This temple, named the House of God, in Hebrew, was the center of Jewish religious life. The entire temple complex was larger than a football field. The temple itself was approximately 20 stories high. Outside the temple, there was an enormous brass basin held up by 12 life-size brass oxen for the priests to cleanse themselves. Around the temple, there were multiple courts with different uh, uses and for different people. And inside the temple, among other sacred and functional rooms, was the Holy of Holies, a cube-shaped windowless room overlaid with 20 metric tons of gold. Inside the Holy of Holies was kept the Ark of the Covenant, which contained the original Ten Commandments. This room was entered only once a year by one man, the high priest, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. This room, the Holy of Holies, was treated with such regard and reverence because it was the dwelling place of God on earth. Now, you might be wondering why I'm yammering on about a 3,000-year-old building halfway across the world. Let's be honest, this is teetering on the edge of boring. Today is Easter. Christ is risen. Now is not the time for a lesson on ancient Palestinian religious architecture, as interesting as that might be. However, think with me for a moment about the implications of a God who dwells with us on earth, but in only one exclusive spot, and compare that to the scriptures we have been reading this week about Jesus, his passion, and his resurrection. Last Sunday, as I'm sure you all remember, Jesus, during his sham trial, the chief priests and the whole council were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many gave false testimony against him, and their testimony did not agree. Some stood up saying, We heard him say, I will, be, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. That struck me last Sunday. These false witnesses, did they testify against Jesus for healing on the Sabbath? 
Did they testify that he cavorted with Samaritans and tax collectors and prostitutes? Did they bring up turning water into wine or quieting the storm or overturning the money changers' tables? No. These religious authorities were so enraged because Jesus threatened the temple, the center of their religious life. Even as Jesus hung on the cross, those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. And then, when Christ's misery is over and he finally dies, do you remember what happens? Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That curtain hung over the entrance to the Holy of Holies. That curtain is what separated the dwelling place of God and the people of God. And now that separation is no more. For the scandal of Jesus isn't that he was born in a stable. The scandal is of Jesus isn't that he welcomed the outcast or the stranger or the politically incorrect. The scandal of Jesus isn't that he healed the sick or raised the dead or was transfigured on a mountain. The scandal of Jesus is and was and shall be that he enables us, all of us, to connect with God. God is no longer distant. God is no longer trapped in a gilded room. God is no longer inaccessible. God is here with us now and forever. And this morning, if that connection with God isn't enough, we are assured in the most spectacular manner possible that our relationship with God is eternal. And through Christ's resurrection, all of the broken things of this world that seem irredeemable, they will be redeemed. The brokenness in our world, the brokenness in our communities, the brokenness in our homes, the brokenness in our hearts, all of it will be repaired and redeemed because He is risen. In Great Britain, near the city of York in northern England, is a village called Acombe. In Acombe, one of the local churches wanted to make a big splash this Easter, perhaps welcome a few visitors for the big day. So they decided to make a banner. Evangelism, but in a very understated English way. The banner was big and white with large red letters, and it was meant to read, Christ is risen. But the banner that was made by the local sign shop instead said, Chris is risen. <laughs> I don't know if the parish was offered a refund. Now we can laugh at the buffoonery of it all. I have a cousin named Chris, and the fact that he gets out of bed in the morning is fairly miraculous. <laughs> And perhaps we could say the same about some of the Chris's in the congregation today. I won't point fingers. But if we really think about it, Chris is risen is almost as profound a statement 
as Christ is risen. For because of Jesus, God is with us everywhere. God is with us at the chapel. God is with us in school or at work or in the coffee shop or on State Street. God is with us in the hospital room and the park bench and the prison cell. God is with us in the waters of baptism and the bread and the wine of the Eucharist. And God is with us in Jesus. And on this Easter day, that same God who is with us also reminds us that everything we worry about, everything we are anxious about, everything that the mere thought of makes us weep and gnash our teeth, everything that stinks of death, all of it will be okay. As St. Julian of Norwich once said, all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Or as we read this morning from the prophet Isaiah, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines. That sounds pretty good, but it gets even better. For the Lord will destroy the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over the nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. Because of all of that, Chris is risen. And Joy is risen. And George is risen. And Jordan is risen. And Shirley is risen. And Ella is risen. And Curtis is risen. And Jack is risen. And Ravi is risen. And yes, you. You. You are risen because of Jesus. And for that we say, Alleluia. Amen. Amen.